in the fifth year of the, of the, the fifth year after Hijrah of the life of Rasulullah you have the battle of trenches that took place and the Muslims they suffered immensely they were betrayed by their by the people in the in the city they were betrayed by the Jews and now the next year comes which is the sixth year and at the end of the sixth year the next major incident took place which was the expedition or the treaty of Hudaybiyah where Rasulullah he saw a dream and he saw a dream that he's performing Umrah with his own Sahaba radiallahu anhum and they went to Medina, uh, they went to Mecca and they were um, prevented from performing Umrah and they had this long agreement with, this, uh, with the Quraysh now between the battle of trenches and this expedition of Hudaybiyah there were some other minor events that took place and today inshallah I want to share with you one minor event that took place that really highlights what the community was in the masjid of Rasulullah So this is a, an expedition where the Prophet sent a group of 30 Sahaba approximately to a place and whenever the Prophet was sent a group of Sahaba without his own presence, it was not called a ghazwa, it was called a sariyah. So this is a sariyah and the Prophet sent these people and while they were coming back, they were, they were victorious, they came back, they actually came by a small convoy and they had sort of, you know, they had some suspicious feelings about this convoy. So they said that instead of letting this convoy go, let's grab these people and let's bring them to Rasulullah Wasallam. Now what the Sahaba did not know was that there was one person in that convoy or in that group who had a very high status within a very prestigious tribe. But they did not know, they brought this group. When Rasulullah he welcomed the group back and he noticed that all these people they brought back, he asked the Sahaba that, do you know who you brought back? And the Sahaba said, no, we don't know who we brought back. And they said that this man, this man who he was pointing to, his name was Thumama ibn Uthal. He said that this person that you brought back, he is not only a chieftain of a small tribe, but he's the chieftain of the tribe of Banu Hanifa. And this tribe, Banu Hanifa, is as large and as prestigious as the Qurayshi tribe. And they have resources and they have power. And so Rasulullah was shocked to begin with that they brought him. He has no idea. The Sahaba have no idea. So then Rasulullah wasallam. He asked Sahaba to tie his hands and to let him stay inside the masjid. Now, of course, the way, you know, the way police officers, they tie and they handcuff you, not like that in that way, um, but in a way that, you know, he will not be able to attack anyone or he would be in one place. And by the way, Thumama also was a person who was not sympathetic towards the Muslims. In the past, he has shown his enmity and hatred towards the Muslims. In fact, there were times when he had publicly declared that if I got the chance, I would take the life of Rasulullah So now, you're talking about this is a man. Now think about this for a moment. Let's pause here for a moment. Let's think about this. Imagine, imagine the most hated man towards Muslims he came to the door of a masjid and he wanted to come inside the masjid and he wanted to talk to the Muslims and he wanted to be around the Muslims. Today I can tell you honestly, not long ago there was an incident that happened very similar that where a man who said publicly, he said things against Muslims. He came to the door of a masjid and he came inside a masjid 
And the leader gave him, the leader of that community, gave him some time at that masjid. And you know what people said in the community? You know what people said on social media? People said that how dare did the imam of that masjid, he gave this man a spot inside the masjid. How dare did they allow this man to come inside the masjid? We're talking about Thumama, a man who had also declared that he would take the life of Rasulullah He came inside the masjid, the Prophet did not kick him out. The Prophet not said that you get out of here, no. This is what we learn from the seerah of the Prophet This is why we study the seerah of Rasulullah So the next morning, Rasulullah he comes to Thumama and he says, Thumama, what do you have to say for yourself? And he says, listen, Ya Rasulullah. Now you have to understand, he does not believe in Rasulullah. He says, Muhammad, oh Muhammad. So he says, Muhammad, look, if you kill me, then you have to understand that you have a civil war on your hands. My tribe is not going to leave your, your, you and your Sahaba alone. They will come after you. And if you show me mercy, then my tribe will remember that. And anytime you need a favor, we owe you a favor. And if you want money, we will give you any amount that you and the Sahaba they need. The Prophet ﷺ, now see, here you understand one thing. He never asked for mercy. He never asked for mercy. You know why? Because he's the leader of his tribe. A leader cannot show weakness. So the leader, he's showing, I'll give you whatever you want. But he's not asking and begging for mercy. Now, what did Rasulullah do? He never asked for anything he wanted. He says, Thumama, how about you convert to Islam? How about you accept Islam? And Thumama, he stayed quiet. So Rasulullah he told the Sahaba that just bring him some food. He told his uh, household, he told the, um, the, uh, the women folk of his family that prepare some food for him and bring it to him. But all day long he would sit inside the masjid and he would do nothing but observe the Muslim community. He would observe the, the community of Rasulullah And so Three days went like this. The second day, again, Rasulullah he came to him. Oh, Thumama, what do you have to say for yourself? The third day, he says, Oh, Thumama, what do you have to say for yourself? And the same thing. And after the third day, Rasulullah he told his Sahaba that go, untie him, release him, let him go. Thumama, he went not far away. In fact, if you have been to current day Medina, current day Medina, where Jantul Baqi is, on the side of Jantul Baqi, so if you're facing the main gates where everyone goes into Jantul Baqir, on the, on the left side, somewhere in that area, they say that he reached to that point and he went there to a small, behind a small place. He took a shower. He came back to Rasulullah wasallam, and he says, Ashhadu wa la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. And subhanAllah, what he said after that was so beautiful. He says, O Muhammad, before, before today, there was no face that was more despised to me than your face. But today, your face is the most beloved face to me in the entire world. He says, your, he says, your city, he says, your religion, religion of Islam, was the most despised religion to me before today. Today, your religion is the most pleasing thing to me today. And then he says, your city of Medina was the most despised to me before today. After today, it is the most beloved city today. After, um, after today, it is the most beloved city in my heart. SubhanAllah. How 
just for a few days, sitting in the company of Rasulullah sitting in the house of Allah, witnessing the Muslim community has such an impact on him that he was able to convert to Islam. And not only that, but then he asked, Ya Rasulullah, can I go to Mecca? And do you suggest that I perform Umrah? And Rasulullah says, Oh Thumama, if you want to go and you want to perform Umrah, that's your choice. He went to Mecca. He went to the Haram. And when he was about to perform Umrah, the, uh, the Quraysh there, they began to observe that there were some, you know, he was doing things a little differently. And they asked him, have you converted to Islam? And he says, yes, I have converted to Islam. Some of the Quraysh leaders, they pulled their swords out of their sheaths and they began to, they began to um, you know, um, scare him a little. And there were some other people, there were some of the more wise ones. They took, they took a step back and they warned some of those Quraysh who were threatening this man that think about this. This man, he is the chieftain of Banu Hanifa. Your grains, they come from the north. And if this man is upset, he's going to stop your supply chain of all the grains that are coming into Mecca. And at that time, Thumama said that now because you have threatened me, I will do exactly that. And he went, when he went back home, he stopped the supply chain of grains that were coming into Mecca. Abu Sufyan, then he sent a letter to Rasulullah saying, Ya Rasulullah, or he said, O Muhammad, he said, please tell this man, tell this man to stop this and we need our supply of grains on a weekly and monthly basis. And so Rasulullah he wrote a letter to Thumama telling him that stop this, uh, stop the sanction and let them get their grains as usual. And so he then followed what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he did. Now, what do we learn from this? The very first thing, of course, that we learn is that how do we need to behave and how do we conduct ourselves as a community? When we talk about a Muslim community, the community, the religious sector of the Muslim community that is coming to the masjid on a day-to-day -day basis, brothers and sisters, I tell you honestly, you know so many people who are not so much religious, their religiosity does not exist so much in their life. If you ask them a lot of times, what is one thing that, what is one thing that puts you off about religion why do you not want to come close to religion you know what is one thing they will say over and over again that people who are religious people who are coming to the masjid have you seen their life have you seen their ma'amalat have you seen how they how things happen in their family as as ones who come to the masjid as those who are part of the religious sector of the community those who claim that we are part of the religious who are more um, more, you know, we are more uh, focused on our religiosity. When we, at the same time, when we cheat, when we steal, when we deceive others, when we do things that are wrong, when our akhlaq is not like the akhlaq of Rasulullah forget about the non-Muslim community. This has an effect on the Muslim community too. So we have to conduct ourselves in such a way that when people come to the masjid, they get a true taste of what true Islam is. But when they come to the masjid and they see those same people that outside the masjid, they are cheating and they are lying and they're deceiving and their akhlaq is so terrible, then how would the, even the non-religious sector, how would they even come into, the, uh, how would they come to the masjid and how would they uh, adopt religiosity in their life? That's the first major lesson that we learn. Another major lesson that we learn is that do not hold a grudge in your heart. 
Now you have to understand, just, just few months ago was the Battle of Trenches. In the Battle of Trenches, the Yahud, the, the Prophet ﷺ, he had a pact with the Yahud that you will support us if we are invaded, if we are attacked. On the other hand, they betrayed that trust of Rasulullah ﷺ. And then not only that, but just few months after all this has happened, the Prophet ﷺ could have said that now this is my moment to get revenge from the Quraysh. But what did he do? He never held that grudge in his heart. He told Thumama that Thumama just let it go just remove that sanction and so think about this that how many times we hold a grudge in our heart not just for months for years and for years what we learn from Rasulullah is just letting it go have have a merciful heart that's the sign of a religious man that he and she they let go of other people's weaknesses and they do not hold their crimes against them and they're not looking out for a moment of revenge we also learn from this story is that how it was allowed as I said earlier for a non-Muslim to come inside the masjid in fact we also find that a long time ago when the Christians of Najran they would come to the house of uh, when they would come to the masjid of Rasulullah in some cases they would allow they were allowed these are the Christians of Najran these are people who say that Isa is the son of God these are people who commit shirk openly, yet there were cases when Rasulullah would allow them to perform their own ibadah in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So next time, we, this is a lesson for all of us, when there are interfaith events, when non-Muslims are coming inside the masjid, it is absolutely fine according, uh, according, to, the, uh, according to the laws and the rules of sharia. And of course, there's many other lessons that we can learn, but this is just a, sh a short story that really highlights what the Muslim community is all about. So I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that may he give us the tawfiq to become like the community of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Of course we may not become like the sahaba, we may not have that same spirit, that same drive, that same enthusiasm as a sahaba, but when we try to emulate and we try to become like someone, at least we will become somewhat close to them. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our communities. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the religious sector even more religious and we ask those who are not coming to the masjid so much, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turn their hearts, change their hearts and bring them close to the masjid. Amir Rabbil Alameen. Jazakumullah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.